One day, in the near future, every child of generations to come will know the importance of equality among people of various sexualities and learn to simply adjust to what cannot be changed. We as a country and a unified people have made incredible progress as far as fully embracing LGBTQ plus ideas and will continue to grow in order to preserve a future that we can be proud of. Furthermore, steps have been taken to slowly improve the influence that the LGBTQ plus community has on public organizations, such as the National Football League, local churches, music groups, and local campus groups, with the help of social media and other impactful outlets, but there is still a long way to go. To begin, the NFL has made substantial breakthroughs as far as how gay football players are perceived in the eyes of coaches and other players. According to the Bleacher Report, a player who has not yet signed to a team made his sexuality known to the NFL as well as some of his closest friends that were former NFL players. With this in mind, many teams turned him away, but a large majority looked past his sexuality and focused on his skill as an athlete. I believe this kind of mentality is a factor that has propelled those who wish to be accepted in the eyes of the public. The rhetorical strategy that was used in this specific article consisted solely of ethos because of the effect it placed on the league in addition to the effect it had on society. This man being the first openly gay NFL football player paved the way for others to come forward and feel safe in their own skin. Furthermore, this success story proved to other teams and especially coaches that the subject is not meant to bring negative attention or destroy reputations, but to allow even the strongest men in sports feel comfortable without discrimination. In conclusion, one of the largest organizations in the sports world has made headway to improve the environment in an intent to maintain equality for everyone. Although slow, the progress of the NFL and media has opened opportunities for closeted or fearful persons to step out from the shadows. Hey guys, it's Emily McMorrin here. Today I'm going to be talking to you about uh, accepting females in all fields in the workforce, but especially in music composition. Um, the question of why females are maybe not accepted in all fields, especially music composition, um, and the pushbacks against it. Um, this mostly goes back to earlier days of music composition, uh, mostly when men were doing a lot of the music writing. Um, you know, it wasn't really seen as a woman's job, or if a woman was a composer, um, you know, sometimes her music would get posted, or um, not posted, would get published in the name of either a male significant other or a male relative. Um, which is unfortunate because they're not really getting the credit for the work that they deserve. Um, and in regards to all fields in the workforce in general, women are not always seen as capable of doing some jobs when they really should be given a fair chance, just like all men. Um, there have been successes um, with this driving forward. Um, we do have nowadays more female composers and song artists and even in some jobs, you know, there are women taking on jobs that, you know, 20, 30 years ago they wouldn't have had. Um, however, there are still people that think, you know, only certain jobs can be done by women and only certain jobs should be done by men. Um, 
And there are a lot of ways that we can combat that, especially in music composition when, you know, that is such an underrated, underappreciated field. Um, there are a lot of bits of advice that people can be given for this, but especially um, one um, source in particular that really helps make the case here is a radio program done on um, Second Inversion, which I believe was a podcast done on March 8th, 2017 in honor of International Women's Day. Um, and Maggie Malloy and Mag Maggie Stapleton were the people that kind of hosted this program and they interviewed um, multiple modern day female composers and they asked questions regarding the topic of, you know, how um, female composers nowadays can, you know, kind of make a name for themselves. And they hope to inspire others by offering up bits of advice based on their own personal experiences. Um, one, one piece of advice in particular that really stood out to me was um, a woman that said um, her best advice was to just write the best music that you possibly can and to go to concerts, meet performers, meet presenters, meet producers in the field. Um, basically, just kind of immerse yourself in the environment, and that is the best way to make yourself known. Um, Laura Kaminsky was the woman that offered that advice. Um, and yeah, just by engaging with people involved in performances and even people involved in the music community, that is a way that you can make yourself better known. Um, in regards to social media playing a role in the acceptance of gender, I personally do think that that plays a role because social media is a place where literally anyone and everyone can talk about whatever they want to. And, you know, people sometimes have good things to say and sometimes people don't have good things to say. Um, you know, like I said earlier on, some people still think that only certain jobs can be held by women and only certain jobs should be done by men. And social media is a really, um, I guess, powerful outlet to kind of give people the I give people that sort of idea or impression. Um, you know, there's a lot of like cyber bullies out there that will tell people, you know, like they will say things to you like, "Oh, you want to do this? Well, that's dumb," or you know, "You're crazy for wanting to do this," or "You're never going to be successful." But by just putting yourself out there and just being confident in what you're doing then that is how you'll make a name for yourself and maybe you won't be accepted but if you play your cards right and if you just go into it with confidence and you just be true to yourself then people will accept you but if you hold back or you don't speak up for yourself people aren't going to know who you are or really want to give you their attention. So that's kind of all I have to say on that, and I'm going to hand it off to Emma now. Hey guys, so I'm going to be talking about the United Methodist Church regarding accepting women in the LGBTQ community and leadership roles. The United Methodist Church has also struggled with representing women. Since the church began, women took the role of caretaker, not as leaders. According to Sandstrom, the church's prohibition on ordaining women is what prevented women from leading for so long. Pew Research Center stated that 1956 was when the first woman in the United Methodist Church was ordained, breaking the barrier and opening leadership opportunities for women. 
This was made possible by the news reporting of women's rights activists at the time. Without the word getting spread in the papers, everyday citizens wouldn't see the struggle and need for change. The Pew Research Center also looked into the denominations to see which have had women in leadership positions, and the United Methodist Church has had one woman in the past hold the title of President of the Council of Bishops, one of the highest positions one can hold in the United Methodist Church. As a member of Camp Hill Wesley, I've seen about two women take over the pastoral role when our pastor was absent. Progress has been made to allow women to take part in these leadership roles, but more encouragement can be done to get more women active and involved. The United Methodist Church also needs to work on accepting the LGBTQ community in leadership positions. The LGBTQ community, unlike women, have been told specifically to hide themselves and not show who they truly are. Why is this? Well, for Christians, they look to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13 to determine whether the community could and should be accepted. And according to this Bible verse, it states, If a man lies with another man as one lies with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They must be put to death. For those who listen to the Bible word for word, there's no room for arguing what this verse says, which is, being gay is wrong. And as a result of that, the United Methodist Church added to their rulebook two articles. Article 304.3 says, Self-avowed practicing homosexuals cannot be certified as candidates, ordained as ministers, or appointed to serve the United Methodist Church. And Article 341.6 states, Ceremonies that celebrate homosexual unions shall not be conducted by ministers and shall not be conducted in churches. So, the LGBTQ community can't lead or celebrate, only be part of the worship services on Sundays. In my church, we have had members of our congregation who are gay come and worship with us, but I have never seen any get married or take on the role of the pastor. Action has been taken to change this, though. Starting around the year 2016, people began to protest, wanting the LGBTQ community to be able to be active members of the church. As the debate has continued, news networks like the New York Times and CBS have been giving the public updates on what's happening. So far, the only possible solution has been for the United Methodist Church to split, so one side accepts the LGBTQ community and the other doesn't. The news network has been keeping both Christians and others informed on the situation. People have been following these networks and taking sides based on their beliefs. The struggle in today's world is that traditions are changing a lot. New ways of living and representing ourselves have emerged. To tell people they can't participate and help due to who they are is both hurtful and unkind. In order for the rest of the Christians to see that acceptance is what needs to happen, as a group, we must relax on following the Bible verbatim and realize what God would want us to do. Treat everyone with respect and equality. Hello, this is Kelsey, and today I'll be discussing an interview I had via email with Christopher Hicks. Christopher Hicks is the president of Shepherd University's Gender and Sexuality Alliance. I interviewed him over some questions I had on acceptance pertaining especially to college campuses. In my first question, I asked, why is gender and sexuality something that should be accepted on college campuses? How is this being promoted at Shepherd? With that, he replied, gender and sexuality are both things that should be universally accepted anywhere, especially these are both things that people cannot change about themselves. Both of these things are ways for students to express themselves fully and generally contributes to overall happiness on campuses. 
The college is contributing to helping the LGBT LGBTQ plus community in a couple of different ways. Safe zone trainings, all gendered restrooms slowly being implemented on campus and various program board events to name a few. In my second question, I said, there will always be a handful of people who don't accept the LGBT community. What makes LGBT acceptance so difficult? What are some pushbacks against that? And Christopher replied, most pushbacks from those who are less tolerant to the queer community is lack of knowledge and ignorance. Understanding new perspectives and educating those who need it is a great way to deal with naysayers. Another question I asked was, in the past, what has our college, along with GSA, done to successfully include others? What more could we potentially do for gender, sexuality, recognition, and acceptance? To that, he replied, to my knowledge, the founding of the annual drag show was a really big step to including others. What we could do now is really push for the all-gendered restroom initiative to make all feel more safe and comfortable. While we are already have made steps, there's still a ways to go to reach maximum inclusivity. Lastly, I asked him, how has social media influenced the acceptance of gender and sexuality? How has GSA or Shepherd University utilized these types of platforms? To that, he responded, social media has increased visibility of those in the queer community significantly. Not only do people who are personally in the community have good role models to look up to, but those who but those who consider themselves allies or those who don't know anything get to see LGBTQ plus people doing regular things to bridge the social divide. Shepard has done a great job of giving us a platform by including pride related things on Instagram, promoting events, and making sure that all hateful media is dealt with accordingly. And that was the end of my interview with him. So overall, our main goal was to promote the idea of acceptance and gender and sexuality of other people. And that has been discussed in each of these interviews and each of our own subtopics, mine being college campuses. Another person discussed the effects in churches and the hows and the whys for sporting events and for the music world. If we can overall can simply learn to support one another and to accept one another, I do believe the world would be off in a much better place and we'd all be seeing a lot less discrimination and probably a lot more equality for each other. And if we can fight for that, then that is definitely worth something fighting for.